We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. We are just a few days away from the NFL Draft, the next big offseason activity for the NFL. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, another week in quarantine, but at least we have the NFL Draft here to keep us busy this week. Yeah, it, uh, this will definitely be an interesting week, and especially, I mean, we got weird stuff going on all over the place. Gronkowski comes out of retirement and sub- subsequently gets traded to the, the Buccaneers, and I'm sure we're going to see a few more player trades, and, you know, I think it's definitely going to be a whirlwind because, I mean, like you said, you got the draft, and then right after that you got an undrafted free agency, and teams are going to be kind of squaring away their rosters a little bit more and then really next week is going to be kind of that second official wave of free agency where the, um, the the comp pick formula kind of goes out the window because after that then basically teams can sign whoever they want and it doesn't count against comp pick formula so I mean there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff that's going to come up and obviously it's all headed by the draft and uh, you know the Bears don't have a ton of picks but they definitely need some impact players. Yeah and essentially round eight of the draft with all the undrafted free agents that uh We'll be popping off on, I'm sure, late Saturday night, uh, early Sunday, because, you know, I don't know how long this draft is going to go because they're going to stop the timer if needed. And in years past, I mean, the draft has gone pretty late on Thursday, Friday um, night, and then Saturday usually ends by like four or five Chicago time. This year, I think it's going to go a little late, so it should be uh, a lot of activity with the undrafted free agents going on Saturday night and then into Sunday So, you know, it's going to be a different draft this year, obviously, with it all being virtual. Um, 
teams are pretty much going to be drafting from home. Roger Goodell is going to be announcing the picks essentially at his house um, for all th- all three days of the draft. But you know, before the draft started, the Bears actually got into their virtual offseason program, which began on Monday. Um, so they have a couple days each week, I believe. Um, I believe it lasts three or four weeks, including a rookie minicamp that will be virtual. And they're allowed essentially two hours per day to kind of talk to their players. They can't hold physical workouts with their players. Um, players can work out on their own um, with what they have at their houses. But it's, it's pretty much just two hours of classroom stuff. So that's kind of where we're at right now with the um, virtual offseason. And, you know, I, there's nothing official, but it doesn't look like players are going to be back on the field until at least training camp at the end of July which would essentially be the earliest. The NFL is going to make it a decision, I believe, in like mid-May for the veteran OTAs and or the mandatory OTAs that the Bears usually host in June. But it doesn't look good for uh, on-the-field stuff anytime soon. No, I mean, I think with the way everything's trending, uh, I think we're going to be lucky if training camp kind of kicks off at its normal time. It's going to be very interesting to see how the NFL handles everything. And, and you know, I mean, we don't even have a – this is kind of the weird thing is we don't have a resolution on baseball yet. I mean, we don't even know what's going on with baseball. And I, man, I don't know. It's just, it seems like the longer things drag on, the, the more things are in doubt, especially for baseball. And then just how they're going to be able to start the season. I mean, the NFL is going to get there regardless. It's just a matter of when things are going to start. But I mean, even at this point, I feel like it would, it would be almost a gut punch if things started at like the end of October, beginning of November. Like it just doesn't, it just, it, it feels like the only thing that would really help the situation right now and help, you know, staying in or whatever, just kind of help getting things back on, back on track, at least, you know, for sports fans is having live sports back on TV. And this feels like we're, we're definitely still at an undetermined amount of time. I don't think, you know, I'm not buying into any of the reports yet that it won't be until next year before professional sports come back. Cause I think it's way too early to say that, but I mean, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot up in the air right now. And it's definitely, it, it's unfortunate, especially for a team like the bears where, you know, they got a quarterback situation going on and, you know, they got a few other competitions that are going to be going on. And it's like, you know, these are the kind of times when you really start figuring things out. And, you know, this is kind of laying the groundwork for everything. You start getting an idea of, of who's going to stand out or who's going to do what or, you know, who's kind of got the inside track. And we're not going to see any of that in either of the coaches. I mean, it's basically going to be virtual learning and, and a virtual experience until they get some sort of plan in place to be able to get training camp underway and preseason and go from there. Yeah, you're right, because, I mean, NBA and NHL suspended their seasons temporarily. Um, MLB, same thing. And I think we're kind of trending towards no fans in the stands for at least the first couple of weeks of Major League Baseball when NHL and NBA resume. And probably for NFL, too, because, I mean, if you think about, you know, president can say one thing. We're not trying to get political here. president can say one thing and the governors can say the other. It's just it's hard imagining sixty to 80,000 people being that close together Um as early as September for the NFL kickoff, I think it might be, you know, they'll have reduced attendance or they'll try to play without fans um, to kind of start off. But I mean, for football fans, if you don't pay attention to MLB and NBA and NHL, I think now is kind of a good time to start paying attention to that news that as it comes out, you know, over the next couple of weeks on what their plan is going to do. Cause I mean, it's going to impact the NFL and what they hope to do. I, I think the NFL is obviously a different beast they're more likely to go on and, and, and try to push things and, and play as much as they can due to there's so much money on the line. But I mean, anything that happens with MLB, NBA and NHL over the next couple of weeks will definitely have um, 
its impact on what the NFL plans to do. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll know more in the coming weeks on coming episodes here on the Bear Report podcast. But today, Aaron, what I want to talk about before we have a special draft guest on is Ryan Pace met the media. Um, you know, his annual pre-draft press conference was supposed to be today at Hallis Hall. Uh, they do the Brian Piccolo Award at Hallis Hall on this day. And it's kind of our last chance to hear from Pace until um, the draft. And typically, he doesn't really reveal too much of his draft plans. There's no need for him to reveal anything on his draft plans. He was asked a bunch of questions about, you know, what do you like at cornerback? What do you like at, at um, wide receiver? Will you draft a quarterback? And, and he offered different answers. Can't just take a lot of stock into that um, because, you know, like I said, he's not going to tell or reveal his hand at all. But there were a couple interesting things that, you know, he did say that caught your and, yours and mine's attention uh, today. Let's start off with the quarterback thing because he was asked again, he was asked last week and, or last month, and he was asked again today if the Bears have made a decision on Mitchell Trubisky's fifth year option. And once again, he remains mom. Now, it tells me they're not going to pick up the fifth year option. They have no plans to pick up the fifth year option. They just keep delaying it. They have a May 4th deadline. And I'm assuming you pretty much agree with me that they're not going to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, why would they? I mean, it really what it comes down to is why would they? Why are you going to guarantee Trubisky under injury, regardless of what happens, open, open quarterback competition or not, um, you know, whatever their preferences may be on who wins the job or whatever, it doesn't really matter at this point. I mean, the, the reality is simple. It's it makes more sense for them to okay. Let's say that you know you decline the fifth year option, you move into the year, and let's just say he somehow wins a job out of camp, or Foles gets hurt and he comes in and he lights the world up, and all of a sudden he looks like the quarterback that they drafted him to be. Okay, you know all of a sudden it's like okay, well he could be a free agent. Well, you know much like we've seen with a lot of other you know quarterback situations and and player situations of free agency over the last you know five seven years. You got the franchise tag. You got the franchise tag for multiple years. I mean, yeah, it gets expensive. I mean, you're probably looking the franchise tag is probably going to be, I would guess, probably you know, 32, 33 million next year or whatever. And the you know the fifth year option I think was established at what was it like 25 or 26. So it's a little bit of a price jump, but it is what it is. Like you, you almost it almost makes more sense to pay that extra six or so million dollars if he was to pan out. I mean, I think the reality is we know you don't trade a fourth round pick for Nick Foles, regardless of the contract, you don't trade a fourth round pick for a quarterback. Um, and then all of a sudden pick up your fifth year option on your other quarterback who has to this point uh, been very disappointing. And I, I think that's just really where it's at. I, I think we all know what's going on. I think we all know the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, it's just at this point in time, it's just kind of figuring it all out and, and waiting for that deadline to pass. I mean, there's no point in dragging this on. I mean, they did, they basically did the same thing, if I remember. They did it with Kyle Fuller, and I want to say because Kevin White was just a flat out no, but I want to say with Kyle Fuller they did the same thing, and and you know it just it is what it is. I mean they're they're clearly not going to pick it up, and because I mean like Leonard Floyd last year they did way early on, and it just doesn't make any sense to you right now, and especially you know that's the other thing too is Trubisky hasn't played a full 16 game season in three years. Obviously the first year was because of Glennon, and then but the last two I mean he's had various injuries, so. You know, the, the injury uh, risk is somewhat there. I wouldn't say it's a high, you know, high risk by any means, but it's probably a risk that they're not willing to take, especially at 25 or $26 million for that year. Yeah, I agree with you. And they're not going to say anything until the May 4th deadline. We'll hear from Ryan Pace at the end of the draft, but I'm sure that he won't even say anything about it then as well. So 
Yeah, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. And like you said, it really doesn't make sense for them to pick it up right now. Um, before we get into our next topic on the Ryan Pace press conference, let's hit our first break of the show. We're right back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back here into the Bearport Podcast. Aaron and I were just talking about Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option as Ryan Pace kind of remained mum today on it in his press conference, well, video conference, with the media. Another topic, though, um, happened to be on the kicker situation last week when the Bears you know, released um, Trey Burton, signed Jason Spriggs, and, you know, had uh, restricted free or exclusive players, Rashad Coward and um, J.P. Holtz. You know, they kind of snuck a little roster move kind of bias for, you know, a couple people weren't maybe paying attention, but they brought in another kicker um, into the competition, and it's a former Nevada kicker, Ramiz Ahmad. And last season, kind of leading into the end of the year, you know, there was kind of rumblings that the Bears were going to bring in competition for Eddie Pinero. It just wasn't going to be what we saw last year with nine kickers in a circus during OTAs. Um, this year, instead, it looks like it's going to be Ahmed and Eddie Pinero whenever the offseason um, physical activities resume. Aaron, what's kind of your take on this uh, mini kicker battle we're going to have here this summer? Well, I obviously don't think it's going to be to the circus level it was last year. I also don't think it's one of those things I think it's more, especially when you have a kicker on a rookie deal like you have Eddie Pinero. Um, I, I think you, and especially when he's not established, I mean, I think you have to absolutely bring in competition because you never know, you know, who might catch your eye. I mean, with, with Ahmad, it's one of those things where, I mean, he, he, I think it was 2017, he was basically the kickoff specialist, and then 2018 was his only full year of kicking. He went like 80%. He only kicked 20 field goals all season. So, I mean, he's still a relative unknown. Uh, he did go through Jamie Cole's kicking camp, and he also went through, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank on the other, Zahn. Uh, Greg Zahn, I think is his name. Greg Zahn's kicking camp as well, and that's where uh, that's where Chris Tabor found him. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Pinero, I think Eddie, Eddie Pinero has a good future with the Bears. But at the same time, why wouldn't you bring a competition for him? I mean, it's the same thing. And, you know, if, if one of the undrafted guys, you know, that you liked or if you wanted to spend a seventh-round pick on one of them, then do that too or whatever. But I just think, you know, you you, you always want to push the kicker, um, and especially in a situation like this. So, I mean, I don't I don't make too much of it by any means. I would, I would still put, you know, a pretty confident bet down the fact that Eddie Pinero would be the week one kicker. But, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. Yeah, as long as it's not to what it was last year when it was the nine kickers and OTAs. But Pace says he's not going to do that. It looks like it's going to be two people in this competition. However, you got to give the advantage there to um, Eddie Pinero, especially the longer that this drags out and they're not in the field. I got to imagine Pinero has the upper hand in that situation. A couple other things that Pace brought up before we get into our guest here was kind of draft related. He was asked, you know, about the quarterback position. Um, what would they be drafting a quarterback? And he, he pretty much said, you know, if there's someone at the top of our board that's best player available, we've had a strong look at them, you know, we won't be hesitant to, to go that route. And the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting was 
it's a position of need opposite of Kyle Fuller, and that's the second cornerback spot. And he compared it to edge rusher where he said it's a position that you can't have enough of. And, you know, I was thinking about that because typically when you have, you know, edge rusher, you kind of think of like it's a very important piece on the defense, just like quarterback, very important piece on the offense. But depth-wise, you know, edge rusher, it does make sense with quarterback. You need two of them to start. You need two edge rushers to start. And right now the Bears have a hole at defensive back um, opposite of Kyle Fuller. It wouldn't shock me at all to see him go the route of a defensive back in that second round, especially if he's a top player on their board at 43 or possibly even 50. And I think if, you know, the more I've been thinking about this, if the Bears come out of this draft and, you know, they have the big needs, I'd stay away from tight end in round two. Um, they obviously have a need at guard, a need at tackle, safety, defensive back, wide receiver. If you can get two out of those five positions locked down in the second round, I'd almost consider it a big win for Ryan Pace on, on day two of the draft. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at day two, I mean, I think that's really you, – you've got to get two impact players. I mean, one way or another, I know, you know, everybody's like, well, they need to go offense or they need to split it up and go defense. Uh, I would agree that probably one needs to go offense, one needs to go defense. But you just need – you need two impact players. And it, what's funny to me is Ryan Pace says, you know, that having having enough – you know, having corners is like, you know, having edge rushers you can never – have enough but it's like i mean if you really go back and look at his draft history so far with corner i mean it doesn't really that doesn't really compute i mean it just it doesn't like he he's dumped very minimal into the cornerback position for the most part especially when you're talking the draft now the one thing that is interesting to me is when you look at the uh the draft meetings and you've been doing a good job tracking that this year is they have met with a lot of DBs and they have met with a pretty decent amount of high round DBs as well. Uh, I think it was Aaron Wilson put out a thing today and granted it's all talk at this point uh, that, uh, that that Diggs is one of their primary targets from Alabama in the second round, you know, they love him, whatever, you know, it is what it is at this point, but I, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. See, my ideal situation, I guess, you know, I was already kind of put out with my mock draft. My ideal situation would be going DB and then a offensive weapon because ultimately I think what they have at the offensive line right now and the moves that they made have kind of told me that maybe they're going to they're gonna hope that the scheme change and coaching change, uh, you know, go on a more familiar Andy Reid style, uh, you know, coach is going to be the difference there. And I could be wrong. Maybe they end up taking an offensive lineman if one falls. But I think it's, at least in my mind, I think it's more ideal for them to go, I would say receiver personally. I, I still, I'm still not on board with the whole, you know, them taking a tight end. I know they cut Trey Burton, whatever. I don't care. He wasn't really a factor in my mind anyway going into this next season. Uh, but I think receiver and then DB, whether that's safety, I, I feel like there's a pretty good amount of safety depth out there and they could get a really damn good talent um, or, you know, corner as well. I mean, there's going to be a pretty good amount of corner depth as well. So I have no issue with that. And I do think that they need to add one more starting caliber piece in the secondary, um, whether that's through the draft early or whether that's, uh, you know, going out and signing, you know, a veteran over in the next few weeks, like a Tony Jefferson or, you know, Rashad Jones or something along those lines of where you're, I just, I don't feel comfortable with them having two holes in the secondary. I mean, that's just my personal take. So I have no issue with the approach at defensive back and, and, you know, corner or whatever, but I just, you know, Ryan Pace says one thing and, and really his, his results of, of the draft and free agency and all that's kind of show a different thing right now. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you and, and, and kind of reiterate at that point. I mean, he said, 
So you got here. The plan is you know draft the quarterback every year. They've only drafted Mitchell Trubisky and traded up to draft him. So, you know, let me ask you this: though, before we get into some more draft talk with our guest, the quarterback comment was interesting to me because um, I look at that. It could go one of two ways. There, he's either talking about maybe second round number forty-three. If one of those guys falls, maybe a Jordan Love, um, a Jacob Eason, because I think Jake Fromm will be there. I think Jalen Hurts will be there. So I don't really see, you know, a, a fall type scenario. And then, you know, day three, obviously, if someone like James Morgan, um, Anthony Gordon's there in the sixth round, maybe Pace would pull the trigger on that. When you when you heard his comment about the quarterback position, were you kind of more thinking second round, or are you thinking more day three? And then if you're thinking second round, I guess are you thinking similar to me where it would have to be like a Jordan Love, Jacob Eason type as a top of their board. Absolutely. And that's the thing with quarterback. And I, I guess I'll preface it as well with saying that if, if the Bears were looking for, you know, to take kind of like what Denver did last year, right? They brought in Joe Flacco. Um, and then, you know, they, they took a swing and they, and they drafted Drew Locke. I mean, if the Bears want to do something like that, if, if, the, if the board falls that way for them, uh, especially Jordan Love, Jordan, Jordan Love falls to them, then cool. I, my biggest thing with the whole quarterback, adding another quarterback to the room is I don't want to see them trade up. I mean, that's just as simple as that. I think ideally it would probably make more sense with the amount of needs that they still have on this roster. Ideally, it would probably make more sense for them to – you know, throw a dart at the dartboard uh, with a guy like James Morgan, somebody like that, where, you know, it, it just, it, to me, that makes more sense because at that point, you know, you're kind of grooming a backup. And if you get anything more out of it, then cool. But if not, then whatever. Um, but uh, again, I, I mean, Jordan Love makes some sense. I think Eason makes some sense. I'll be honest and say that I do not want to see uh, Jalen Hurts um, the pick. And I sure as hell. I should say, I don't want to see Jalen Hurts in the second round. I think he's going to end up going first anyway or early second. I don't think it will be an issue. The one guy I really don't want to see go before the fourth or fifth round is Jake Fromm. I just, I don't see it with him, man. I really don't. I understand that he was with Georgia. I understand that, you know, the powerhouse SEC, all this crap. He's not that good of a quarterback. I just, I, okay, he's smart. I mean, I, I think he's pretty much maximized at what he is. And if you watch a lot of what he did at Georgia, especially this last year, he's pretty bad. I just, I have zero interest in somebody like that. I don't think there's any upside He's in a fourth round. Cool. You got yourself a pretty solid backup with a high ceiling. That's fine. You know, fourth or fifth round, depending on if they, you know, they trade down or whatever. Uh, but in the second round, if they use any sort of second round pick on on uh, on Fromm, I would be mortified. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And I know the opinion on someone like Jacob Beeson's, you know, some people have their thoughts. Oh, it'd be kind of a mistake to uh, draft him, even if he's there in the second round. I, I'm with you. I don't. Um, I don't think the Bears should trade up and mortgage the future to draft a quarterback. Um, I, I, I'm, I have the opinion that, you know, if someone like Jacob Eason falls, I'm fine with them taking him at 43 or 50 just to have someone in the pipeline. And you kind of mentioned what the Broncos did there last season um, with Drew Locke and after bringing in Joe Flacco. I'm also fine with Jordan Love. I'd actually prefer Jordan Love over Jacob Eason. I'm just trying to stay as far away as, uh, you know, from – Jalen Hurts and Jake Fromm. I think those are the two guys that we've seen associated with the Bears way too much. I, I just wouldn't be for that. I'd rather take my chances with um, a guy that has a high ceiling like Jordan Love or a guy that has a big arm like Jacob Eason. Uh, well, Aaron, let's bring on our guest um, to kind of talk some more draft stuff here ahead of the 2020 NFL draft. We're going to be talking here on this interview 
with Jacob Infante. He is the lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. Um, he also covers the NFL draft for the Draft Wire. Really good interview. Really good guy to talk to about draft stuff. And you hear his thoughts on the Bears right after this. Enjoy the interview. We'll be back to wrap things up and give our final thoughts on the draft as well. And now joining Aaron and I here on the Bear Report podcast is a very special guest. He is the lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. He also covers the NFL draft for the Draft Wire. Please welcome in Jacob Infante. Jacob, thanks for joining me, man, or joining us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're a couple days away here um, from the 2020 NFL Draft, which begins Thursday night. The Bears obviously don't pick until Friday unless they trade up, which you know, Aaron and I suggest that they don't do. Early on here, as we're, as we're going, leading up into this draft, what are kind of your initial thoughts um, overall on the Bears with their seven picks and kind of, you know, what the biggest needs for them to fill are? Yeah, well, I think the Bears are in a position where they have two second-round picks and they're able to uh, get two quality talents who can make an impact right away but they're also in a position where they're able to move back with at least one of those second round picks, which considering the fact they don't have picks in the third or fourth round, uh, I think that would be a very smart move. Uh, as far as the biggest needs go, I think that uh, the secondary is definitely up there. Uh, you know, there's a hole at strong safety alongside Eddie Jackson, and you don't know necessarily who's going to be starting at corner alongside Kyle Fuller. So I think those our two big needs uh, on offense, you could look at guard, uh, wide receivers, another one. And I think that tight end could also be a position to look at considering Trey Burton's no longer on the team. Uh, Adam Shaheen's job security is uh, pretty much non-existent at this point. And Jimmy Graham is going to be 34 by the time this coming season ends. So I think there are a lot of different ways the Bears can go with they're two second round picks. I think it's going to be a lot uh, fun to watch what they do with that for sure. Well, and you mentioned tight end, which <clears throat> looking at your big board right now, you got, you know, 150 guys on this. Anybody who hasn't checked it out, I definitely recommend going over to Whitney City Red Iron and checking it out. And Jacob does a lot of good work for the site. Um, so one of the things that I've noticed uh, with you, especially, and it's, it goes with a lot of different draft analysts, a lot of people, a lot of different people who are putting in a lot of work with this stuff. Tight end seems very polarizing this year. Now, i got to be honest, granted I haven't done nearly as much in-depth research as I normally do. Uh, with that being said, I'm not a huge fan of this tight end class. And I know that it seems like the consensus number one tight end for most people seems to be Cole, Cole Kmet, whatever, Notre Dame guy. Uh, so, But what I've noticed with your big board here is, is you've got Bryson Hopkins, uh, 33 overall, um, and your number one tight end. Now, what, what I'm curious about is why is there such a difference in opinion on a guy like Hopkins, right? Because you've got him 33 overall. I've seen some people with some second-round grades, some people with some third-round grades. And I've, got, I've seen uh, Dane Brugler, who has a, has a fifth-round grade on him. I've seen some people that are projecting the fifth or sixth round. What makes this guy so polarizing? Well, I think it comes down to uh, his blocking ability because Bryson Hopkins isn't necessarily a great blocker. That's not his forte. So I think that a lot of people, it kind of depends on what you value most at the tight end position. Uh, for me, the way that my grading scale works with, pro uh, with prospects is I tend to uh, put a little more stock into receiving ability, uh, athleticism, route running, and stuff like that. Uh, 
so that's personally why I have Bryson Hopkins a bit higher than most people because I think as far as as pure athletes go in this tight end class, Hopkins is one of the best. Uh, he runs really uh, crisp routes for someone his size, and he's also quick off the snap in terms of his acceleration. So that's something I really like in him. Uh, so I think the polarizing aspect is definitely his blocking and also to some extent his hands. Uh, he has had some issues with drops in the past, and you know I do think that that's an area where he can improve a little bit. But I think just in terms of his athletic upside and what he brings as a pass catcher, I think that he brings a lot to the table. And that's why I uh, tend to be a little bit higher on him than most draft analysts. You know, staying with the offense, this is a wide receiver class that is considered very deep. Um, a, a lot of prospects with first or second round grades going into this draft. And, and I know you mentioned at 43 and 50, you talked a lot about, you know, the safety in the secondary as being big needs. If the Bears were to address wide receiver, and let's say they do it with one of their two second-round picks, ideally for you, who is the target and at what what pick in the second round? Well, I think that's pretty tough because there are a lot of guys that I'd honestly be completely fine with the Bears drafting in the second round. I think ideally the Bears end up with, I'll go KJ Hamler, simply because I think the Bears need speed at the wide receiver position, and he brings that in spades. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure if he'll be available at 50. I think it's definitely a possibility. Uh, I think it's a pretty fair bet to say he'll be available at 43, so I'll stick with that. Uh, there are a bunch of other receivers in this class, like Brandon Ayuk, uh, maybe Jalen Rager, uh, even LaVisca Chenault if they trade down and are willing to overlook the uh, injury concerns. There are a lot of receivers that I'd like, specifically for the Bears in the second round, but I think K.J. Hamler's up there with uh, the best of them. And I think that he could be a very good fit in this offense. Now, looking at your offensive line rankings, that was another one that was kind of interesting to me because I think that you're kind of echoing, instead of going with doing the mock drafts and kind of placing these guys where you think they're going to go versus actually using your evaluations and grading these guys, uh, I, I find it interesting because there's guys, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea, I know some people aren't really looking at this, so it may be a little confusing, but you got Austin Jackson at uh, 100. Uh, Ezra Cleveland was also down there. I want to say you had him, uh, maybe you know off the top of your head. Uh, yeah, 144, right? So, and these are guys, and it's interesting because you have these guys, you have these guys graded about where people are talking like, okay, you know, these guys are probably more of like third or fourth round projections and talents. But you got a lot of these. I mean, Austin Jackson's one of those guys that's projected first round pick. Ezra Cleveland's been getting a lot of talk for a first round pick as well. So I guess my bet, my better question is because you seem to be kind of driving with what I've seen. I see some good top end talent on the at offensive tackle, at offensive line in general. But then I see a lot of guys that are going to be there in the Bears range, in my opinion, where it's going to be an overdraft. Do you see any of these guys realistically? making it, whether it's at, you know, on the interior or at offensive tackle, where if somebody falls, let's just say 43, because I feel like 43 is going to be the number where you want to take like a top end uh, offensive lineman. If there is one available, do you see any being there when the bears pick? And if, if any of them, I mean, do any of them actually make sense for the bears? Uh, the one guy that comes to mind off the top of my head would have to be Lloyd Cushenberry out of LSU. I think if he's available, the bears certainly couldn't go wrong with taking him. I think that he brings, uh, a good polished skill set with the, uh, you know, a decent amount of power in his game that the Bears are kind of lacking that little bit of tenacity 
in their interior offensive line right now. I think he's the type of guy who could start right away. And you mentioned that I'm lower on some of the tackles that are getting like fringe first round looks. And, you know, I know that I've, you know, gotten some flack for that. And I, you know, see where people are coming from, from that. But as far as the tackles go, that might be available in the second round. I don't really know because I see a lot of guys who have upside, but I tend to value technique a little bit more and how polished they are. Uh, I mean, obviously I factor in upside to some extent, but I think that with guys like Austin Jackson, uh, Ezra Cleveland and Isaiah Wilson's another guy I'm a bit lower on than most, you know, they don't necessarily have that polished skill set. And what I've tend to notice guys with those backgrounds don't necessarily tend to translate well to the NFL level. Like guys like just off the top of my head, Colton Miller, uh, Greg Robinson, uh, I could think of a handful of others, probably Garrett Bowles is another one. Those are some guys that have gone in the first round uh, purely off of upside that might not, you know, have deserved it and they didn't really live up to their expectations. So that's why I'm not so high on those types of players. If I had to pick one second round tackle for the Bears, maybe Josh Jones, if he falls, I like Josh Jones a good bit. I think he's athletic. He's long. He brings a little more polish than some of the other guys I mentioned. Maybe Prince Tego Wanoko out of Auburn. That might also be a little bit of a reach, but I think he also brings an incredible athletic skill set to the game. So I honestly pass on tackle in the second round, but I think if the Bears feel that there's talent there worth taking, then, you know, go for it. And I trust their evaluations overall. Staying on offense here, um, I'm very intrigued with the quarterbacks and what's going to happen overall. I mean, Burrow's going to slot in at number one overall to the, the Bengals. There's been some talk that maybe Herbert could go before Tua and then kind of Jordan Love maybe falling a little bit. Today, Ryan Pace, when he talked, you know, he was asked about the quarterback position here in Chicago. They've added Nick Foles. They still have Mitchell Trubisky for the time being. Do you see a scenario in the second round where the Bears maybe take a quarterback? I see, you know, you have Jacob Eason, 107, on your big board. And I believe you have Jake Fromm, uh, or Jalen Hurts, actually, at 122. And then Fromm was, like, in the 140s, maybe right after um, right after Hurts, sorry. Do you see the Bears maybe taking a quarterback at 43 or 50 overall? And for you, if you're Ryan Pace, who's your ideal guy there? If I'll be honest, I think the only situation where if I were the Bears, I'd draft a quarterback would be if Jordan Love somehow falls uh, into the second round and then potentially you could trade up for him. Uh, Realistically, I don't think the Bears should draft a quarterback uh, simply because I think that Ryan Pace's moves in free agency indicate that he's in a win-now approach. And uh, drafting a quarterback who would be you know, a a third-string guy Uh, at best second string if you can somehow find a trade partner for Trubisky Uh, but either way a guy who isn't going to play this year I don't know if necessarily that's the best strategy for them if that's what Pace is going for and uh, also I'm not really a big fan of the quarterbacks who could be available in the second round so I don't know if the value would really be there I don't think the Bears should draft a quarterback in the second round I'd honestly be a bit upset if they did uh, mostly because, again, I don't think the value is that great, and second-round quarterbacks don't necessarily have the best track record in recent years. So I'd honestly pass on a quarterback in the second round. That's something I'd probably wait until day three if I were to take one. 
Now I want to switch things over to the defensive side of the ball because this has been kind of one of those things where I think it's kind of been an internal debate with with Bears fans where, you know, you're you looking at it, they got two second-round picks, and they will pick again until the fifth round. Now I think that most of us are probably expecting them to trade down one of those picks, probably still stay in the second round and somehow pick up either a third or fourth-round pick. But assuming that they stick exactly with their picks and just kind of looking at it from what we know that they're looking at right now, uh, it seems like they've kind of zoned in a little bit on defensive back, which I actually think is a good idea because right now the Bears, in my mind, have two different holes. They have a hole at strong safety and they have a hole uh, corner opposite. Uh, right, right now, I mean, they have a hole opposite of uh, Kyle Fuller. I mean, I just I'm not as confident that they can go into the season even with an improved front seven. I'm just not as confident that they can go into the season and and really have a defense at its full potential with two question marks in the secondary. So. With that being said, you know, just kind of looking at your rankings a little bit and and kind of getting an idea, you have, uh, you know, some of the names that I like that are kind of floating right around that spot where, you know, whether it be 43 or 50, right? And one name that intrigues me is Kenny Robinson Jr., just because of the whole XFL connection, uh, all the stuff that he that he went through. Now, I'm going to ask you this because I'm sure that you've done a little bit more, you know, in-depth diving here. If you had one defensive back position to pick that the Bears need more or that's going to fit more at that spot in the draft, are you going safety or you going corner? And if so, who are you going to go with or who's kind of a range of who you think is going to be there? You know, I think that's a tough question because I think that the Bears – you know, like you said, they do have holes at both of those positions and they don't really have proven starters at either spot. So I think they could go either way. As of right now, I think cornerback is a bigger need just because I think the positional value is a little bit stronger there than it is at safety uh, in terms of how the game is played nowadays. But for as far as the draft value goes, uh, I'm going to say safety, I think, would have better talent in the second round. And I do like the cornerback down that could be available on day two, but I like the idea of drafting a safety in the first in the second round, excuse me. Uh, you're looking at guys like uh, Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois. You're looking at Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota is a guy I love and potentially Grant Delpit if he falls. You know, there's a lot of talent there that could potentially fall to the Bears, and I think that they'd be smart to look there. And uh, you did mention Kenny Robinson, who's a guy that I've come to love in this process. Like you said, he's coming off of a little bit of an interesting path to the draft that hasn't exactly been done before. You know, that direct XFL to the NFL is something we haven't seen. So that'll definitely be interesting to see where he goes. I think off of just my uh, film studies of him, I gave him a second round grade. I think he's rangy. Uh, incredibly smart and he has a he has good ball skills and a good eye for the football so I don't think you can go wrong with drafting any of those guys if you do want to wait for a safety I'd say Kenny Robinson is the guy you go for I think he could go potentially in the third or fourth round so if the Bears do uh, trade back and don't pick a safety with those two second round picks I think he could be a guy to look out for Sticking with defense, you know, the Bears have Cleo Mack. They've signed Robert Quinn. But behind them, the depth is not very good. Uh, it's pretty much just Isaiah Irving. And I look at this draft, and there's some intriguing edge rushers. And one of them for me is um, Jonathan Greenard out of Florida. I've seen him mocked all over the place. I've seen him mocked as high as early second round. I've seen him mocked as late as even a fifth or sixth round pick. You have him number 149 um, 
on your board. What are your thoughts on Jonathan Greenard? And you think he's a fit to come into Chicago and learn behind Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn and maybe ease into a role playing limited reps early on? Uh, I do think Jonathan Greenard would be a good fit for the Bears. I Like you said, I am a bit lower on him than others uh, simply because I think that you know, he has he had a season-ending injury in 2018, which factored into the grade a little bit. Uh, also, I think his pad level and overall strength could improve a little bit. But I like the tools that he brings. I think he's a really good athlete for the addresser position, which I think is the prototype the Bears are going to target uh, to look for a guy who can drop back in coverage. Because as of right now, uh, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn can't really do that. Uh, and they're much better at rushing the passer, obviously. So I think they look a bit more for an athletic type of guy who can move around in space. I think Greenard would be a very good fit for that scheme. Uh, I don't know necessarily when he'll be picked or if he'll be available on day three for the Bears to take. But I think from a pure fit in that defense uh, and the potential role, I think the Bears could look for in an edge rusher. I think he would be a very good fit. Yeah, and, and I think, at least in my mind, I think Ed Rush is actually kind of an underrated need right now. I mean, I know some people are higher on Isaiah Irving, no clue why. Um, and, you know, Barkevius Mingo is what he is right now. But it that's another position where it wouldn't really surprise me, especially if the Bears trade down and get like a late third, early fourth. That would be the kind of that would be the kind of spot where I could see them going edge rusher now. I know we're kind of getting towards the end of this, and you know, I, I think at least for me, my favorite time of the draft is always the the third day because then you start getting some of those diamonds in the roughs. Obviously, Ryan Pace has been pretty damn good in the fourth round, and sometimes he's found other gems. Do you have maybe like two, three, uh, you know, day three sleepers almost that you, you you know your draft crushes overall? Any anything like that? Anything fun that we should be looking out for in the next few days? Uh, I do have a handful of guys that I do like on day three, that could be really interesting fits. One of them is uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., the receiver who was a Wildcat quarterback for Kentucky. I think that he's raw as a route runner and, you know, only playing like three, four games as a receiver this past year kind of hurt his development, I think. But in terms of his uh, speed, his agility and vision as a ball carrier, I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's a guy the Bears will be uh, smart to look at around the fourth or fifth round if they don't draft the receiver early. I think there are a handful of uh, other guys that I do like. I like James Lynch out of Baylor a bit more than most. I have seen him as high as the first round and as low as the fifth round. So, so that there's a little bit of confusion about his draft stock, but he's uh, an athletic defensive lineman who can potentially stand up as an edge rusher at times. And I think he brings good uh, pass rushing value to the table. Another guy that I really like is Michael Ojemudie out of Iowa. You know, I've loved at least one Iowa defensive back uh, in every single draft class since I've been scouting. And Ojemudie, I think, is my guy in this class. I think he's smart. I think he's fluid. I think he plays with solid physicality. You know, he brings a lot that I like at the cornerback position. And he's not a stellar athlete, which makes me think he could be available in the fourth round. So uh, I think the Bears would be smart to target him if, again if they're able to trade back and get like a fourth round or a late third round pick I think that he would be another guy that the Bears would be smart to you know try and target to add to their secondary before we let you go here Jacob we're going to put you on the spot you're Ryan Pace you have pick number 43 number 50 
Right now, give us your picks for the Bears on Friday. Uh, wow, you're putting me on the spot here. Have to do it, man. Have to do it. I, I don't blame you. Uh, I got to think about this one a little bit. So I think, ultimately, I think the Bears will go defense with one pick and offense with one pick. And I don't know necessarily who's going to be on the board. I think if a guy like Grant Delpit falls to 43, he would be a slam dunk pick there. You know, I think that's a little bit of a toss up there because I've seen him falling that far, but there are other times I see him going earlier in the second round or late in the first. So to be safe and to be a little bit, maybe a little bit more realistic, I'll go Antoine Winfield Jr. uh, at 43 because I think that he's an absolute ball hawk. I think that he's, you know, a bit undersized, but he's athletic. He's smart. He's good ball skills. He tracks down the ball well and adjusts to it very well. I think, you know, obviously his dad was a tremendous cornerback in the NFL, and I think that uh, Junior is going to uh, kind of replicate that success or at least come a little bit close to it in the NFL. I think he's got a legit Pro Bowl ceiling as a safety. And as far as number 50, I mean, obviously I do think they should trade back from there. Uh, But that's a little bit tough. I could see them going receiver. So... You know, I if KJ Hamler's there, I think KJ Hamler would be a fantastic pick there. Uh, you know, I, like I said earlier, he brings a lot of, you know, speed and a lot of agility after the catch. I think he's, you know, quick twitch guy. Uh, so if KJ Hamler is available, I'm gonna have to go with him. If not, then a guy who I might be a little bit higher on than most because of his injury. And his overall draft stock falling over the past few months is LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I think that while he's a little bit, he's a bit raw as a route runner, uh, he brings a lot of athletic gifts to the table. He's elusive in space. He's tough as a, you know, as a runner after the catch. And I think that he'd be a really good fit in that Nagy system. I think you just put him at the Z receiver, give him the field to work with, you know, run a lot of, you know, like short routes and occasionally stretch the field with him vertically and just watch him make defenders miss. I think that him and Anthony Miller would provide a lot of yak ability. And then Allen Robinson would give you that uh, possession receiver who's, you know, the clear cut number one. So if Hamler's there, I would go Hamler. But if not, I'd, you know, trade down and potentially look at a guy like LaVisca Chenault. I like it. I like it. You did very good for uh, being put on the spot there. (laughs) Um, can, you tell, can you tell our listeners uh, where they can follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, that's I N F A N T E. Uh, and, you know, like we said at the top of the show, I write for Windy City Gridiron and Draft Wire, where I cover the Bears at Windy City Gridiron and I cover the NFL draft at both. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for hopping on. We'll have to have you back on. Uh, Hopefully soon, talk some more draft, maybe get a little early 2021 preview in. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm probably going to take a week or two off to kind of, you know, dig into this uh, recap for the 2020 draft. And then I might look to the future. I might get a little bit of a head start on the 2021 draft just because why not? You know? Yeah. Nothing else to do, right? Yeah. Bears have a first round pick uh, in 2021. So, you know, I could start looking at a couple of quarterbacks. You never know. Thanks again, man. Once again, that's Jacob Infante from Woody City Gridiron and the Draft Wire. Good follow. Go read his work. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.
Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, both of you guys, thanks for having me on. Welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. That was our interview with Jacob Infante, the lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. Also covers the NFL draft for the Draft Wire. Does some really good stuff. I recommend you guys check out his work. He knows what he's talking about. Aaron, man. So the Bears pick Friday. They have number 43 and number 50 overall. As we currently sit here, they could, you know, trade back, potentially trade up even in this draft. To close out this show, though, I want to kind of do something fun. We're going to play the role of Ryan Pace and do a mini mock draft. It'll be two picks. We'll go with just the second round only because day three is really a total crapshoot for the NFL draft anyway. Um, so we'll go day two, and we'll just kind of take turns with our picks um, and who we think the Bears are going to select. And we'll start with number 43. Uh, do you want me to go first, or do you want to kick Yeah, why don't, you go ahead and take, why don't you go ahead and take lead on both of these? Because, I mean, I've, I'm just going to use the same picks that I used for the, the mock I put out earlier this week. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to go with 43 overall. I think the Bears would be wise to address the wide receiver position with one of these picks. However, I do think if this player is on the board, I'm going to predict him to be on the board at number 43. I think he would overtake um, any of my top wide receivers right now, and that'd be interior offensive lineman Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. I've seen him mocked falling to the Bears in the second round. I've seen him mocked a little further back in the second round. But I've also seen him mocked like as early as like 22, 23 in the first round. Um, but for this show, I'm going to go with Cesar Ruiz. I think he fills an immediate need on the offensive line and can win that right guard spot and can kind of be your right guard of the future. And if you know there's injury, I think he actually slots in better to a center than James Daniels would if, if something were to happen to Cody White here. I'll go Cesar Ruiz with my uh, my first pick at number 43. Yeah, and you bring up a good point with Ruiz. I mean, he's got a lot of versatility on the entire interior offensive line. I mean, that gives you three guys on the interior that are all young, that all have versatility, and, I mean, that probably gives you one of the better, you know, maybe not this year, but, you know, overall, then it gives you one of the better interior uh, offensive lines in the league. Uh, I'm going to go with Jeremy Chen, uh, safety out of Southern Illinois. I think kind of like – uh, J- Jacob was talking about right where I, I think they're going to go defensive one pick offensive one pick right and whether that that defense is cornerback or safety maybe even edge but I would guess cornerback or safety uh, I just I feel like the, the way that the board is going to fall I think there's a lot more talent at safety than there's going to be at corner and Chen's a guy where I mean he's coming from a smaller school you know southern Illinois is not not huge by any means but the dude is when you're talking about size speed athletic freak I mean he is the He's a he's a real deal when it comes out. He reminds me actually a lot of Jaquisky Tart coming out of uh, college. So he's somebody that I I don't think I'm I don't know. Let, let me let me just phrase it this way: When I did my mock draft, what I did is I went through and I looked at uh, the the meeting tracker that that we have on the Bay Report that Zach's been keeping keeping up with, and I went through and I kind of looked and just kind of you know balancing trends in my head of what the Bears have done usually with their picks. You know, obviously this year could be a little bit different, but I, usually they meet with those. You know, they meet with those first few picks, especially with these two second round picks. I would guess that they're going to meet with both of them. And Chen's a guy that just stood out to me as somebody that can make a lot of sense. I don't think Delpit's going to be there, and I kind of have uh, you know I I kind of doubt that Winfield's going to be there. I think I'd rather have Winfield than Chen, but. 
Chen just seems like a good pick. Um, I, I think he he fits exactly what you would want, especially at strong safety. I mean, he's that big punisher. Uh, he's definitely a physical guy, uh, but he's also got enough range to where those two safeties with Eddie Jackson can also be interchangeable. So that's going to be my pick at uh, 43. Yeah, I think I can see the Bears going safety as well with 43, and I think Chin is probably the the top option um, there. I think, you know, the Bears have to address, address wide receiver. I brought it up. The guys I have on top of my list would be Jalen Rager out of TCU and KJ Hamler out of um, Penn State. For 50, I think they're both going to be gone. A guy I'd keep an eye on here is uh, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. He's not the speed guy um, that the Bears kind of need, but he – is a good, true possession wide receiver that has a lot of upside in his game. It's kind of going a little underrated. I would lean towards him. However, I do think the Bears could go safety as well with this pick. And for my 50, I would go Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, just because I think it, it fits a need at safety um, opposite of Eddie Jackson. He, you know, He's a physical safety, something the Bears really need at that strong safety spot. I just I'm going this way just because I don't think Rager and Hamler will be there. Yeah, that's that's fair. I I actually I, I agree with you with Rager. I don't think Rager's going to be there. I think Rager's going to go into first round, very early second round, um, because of his size and his speed. I think Hamler has a chance to drop for a few reasons. One because he's a little short of five ten. Uh, he's got a little bit of smaller hands and he's got some drop issues. But I think at least for me and Hamler's the guy I'm going with um, at. I projected at 55, but I think, you know, whatever, just for the sake of the, you know, just for the sake of what we're doing here, even if you want to slot him in at 50, I'd still think that's good value. Um, but he's just somebody, I mean, like you pointed out, I mean, he's a speed guy. And at least from everything that I've ever seen with Penn State receivers, man, they translate so damn well out of schools, route runners. And that's the thing with Hamler. He's not the traditional bigger body guy like you get in a Chris Godwin or, you know, even an Allen Robinson, stuff like that. Um, but he still is more polished than I think some of these other receivers are. Obviously, drops are a little bit of an issue for him, and hopefully that's something that they can get figured out. But I do think that they're missing a huge offensive role right now um, with Taylor Gabriel gone and with the speed role. I mean, they just need to add more speed to this offense, and I think that is a big key for them. And that's why I'm going to take uh, K.J. Hamler. Um, there's going to be some options for sure, but I think that Hamler, especially at 50 or 55, depending on whatever it is, I think that he's somebody that projects to likely or could be around versus a guy like Rager, where I don't think Rager is going to be anywhere close to 50 or 55. Yeah, I agree. I think Rager could actually go first round. I think I'll mock him going in the first round. Hamler is an interesting one for me because I think the Bears would go that route if he's there. Um, I've seen him mocked even late first round to actually end of second round. I would prefer Hamler over Pittman Jr. Uh, I just, I just, I just don't know if he'll be there. Um, but yeah, Aaron. So that'll wrap up for this show. We'll be back next week with a recap draft show. Hopefully, we're talking about some big prospects the Bears drafted fit their needs, and as well as the undrafted free agency part of. Um, the draft, which take place Saturday night and then into Sunday. It's always one of my favorite times because it's just you just see the names start to pop off as the Bears try to fill their roster uh, with guys. But it'll be a little different without the physical activities in rookie minicamp. Um, yeah, so Aaron, if you want to let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter and read your work at. Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. As always, you can follow me at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report at 
at Bearport, and you can read my work on the Bearport. We'll have plenty of post-draft coverage as well. I have a ton of stuff still going out this week for the draft, so keep an eye out for that. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe, everyone, and enjoy the draft. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.